0: Hey folks, it's Jeff Wenzel from the Woodshed Agency and you are listening to my podcast called Successfully Funding. Here we go. Let's turn it up. Yeah. All right, crowdfunders, how is everybody doing out there in crowdfunding land? I can't hear you. Doing all right? All right, all right. So, in this episode, I have an unbelievable conversation with Chris Birch from the Kickstarter campaign Siege of the Citadel Second Edition techno fantasy board game. Yeah, that's right. And I learned a whole bunch about an old board game from 30 years ago that the Siege of the Citadel apparently it was a huge game back in the day and this is a kind of a reboot of it and yeah, just let me give you some quick numbers so you know who's coming up on this show. Uh, they had a they had a goal of sixty thousand dollars, and they are currently at two hundred and twenty seven thousand dollars with about nineteen hundred backers and nine days to go. That's a pretty good campaign, and I'll tell you, I'm getting blown away on this board game community. Um, you know, I've talked obviously a little bit about this, and and uh, my business partner Paul and I we discussed this. You know, I'm not a I'm not a huge board gamer. I didn't frankly kind of know this existed until starting the podcast there is a huge community around this and i'll tell you what i love the most about it it's that the people who have created these board games they're they're into kickstarter and the community itself you know they're open with their information they participate in these podcasts they understand the grassroots they understand how to use the backers they truly get it and i'll tell you when i first met paul you know, a year and a half ago or so, you know, he told me about this. And I kind of brushed it off a little bit. I was like, ah, I don't know about that. But there truly is an awesome community in this. And what I'm hoping from, because I think we've had five or six board game interviews now on the podcast, is that if you're out there listening, I really hope that you're taking the attitude that's necessary to be able to produce these types of campaigns. It, You know, there are so many great things that Chris said in this interview that I don't want to spoil them. We're going to get to them. So that is coming up on today's episode. So I I watched a video with um, Gary Vaynerchuk and he, he brought up something that, that I I don't know, I really took this one to heart. So I got to give him props on, on getting my brain going and thinking. But, um, you know, he was talking about you know why is it that we're so drone as humans to always talk about the negative things and I you know what I'm catching myself doing it right so like a, a a few of my intros on this podcast where I'm kind of talking about this about my days and stuff it's a bunch of negative stuff. it's about you know it's me being annoyed or angry at something and I really wanted to, to stand back today and be like, you know what everything is actually really good, you know. I'm getting great interviews on the podcast. I love all my conversations with everybody. I get so inspired day by day, you know, by either listening to these people or reaching out to somebody or, or cutting an interview. Um, and, and, it, and you know what? I want to talk about the positive stuff. I, you know, I want to talk about, you know, the, uh, that I've got a good community around me in terms of friends and, and, um, and support. And, you know, my wife supports what I work on and my kids are you know, most of the time pretty good, you know? they're still kids. Sometimes they're assholes. They're like kids. Most of the time they're good though. That's right. I said it, but we're all aware, right? So, you know, and what is that about, I mean, what is it at our core that we we are instantly drawn to to the negativity and it's everywhere, right? It's constantly online. It's constantly in your face. You, you know, you almost can't get away from it. And I really You know, hearing Gary talk about it in a quick video on Facebook and you know, he had three or four examples and he was spot on. It's like, you know, how are we all not feeling I don't blessed or whatever you want to call it? Like, how bad could it be, man? You know? You know, we're humans on earth. It's so great, right? We have almost we have so many things in front of us. We have a choice to do almost whatever we want, right? Like we could do anything. If you wanted to. Um, and and, and I, I feel like that for myself. Like, you know, no nobody tells me no. You know, two months ago when we were discussing, you know, maybe even more than that, four or five months ago, we were discussing a podcast. I just chose to do it. Let's just do it. You know, and now we're close closing in on 30 episodes. You know, we're going to hit 50 by whatever, November. I mean, we're, we're cruising along. And my conversations, I, I just, I'm digging them. And I feel good about it. So like, you know, but not to draw on that, you know. Sometimes when I'm looking at some of my clients, and and there's this, there's this tone of like, I think you should do it. You know, you should do this. Like at t- saying that I should do it for them, and and it's been a kind of a sticking point in our camp, in our in our business right now. Of, and I, I brought this up on my Slack channel, our Slack community channel. Which by the way, sign up. It's through the website. You get more inside stuff. Where, you know, it's. I think it's absolutely impossible. To have an agency or somebody else fake sincerity for for you, the project creator, and to do all this stuff. And when we get in this conversation with Chris, he highlights that big time. Chris still is running a big board game community, you know, um, company. He answers the emails. He's doing the work. He breaks down how he does the press outreach. Right. So, as a consultant. You know, I always stand back and I'm like, yeah, I'm here to help. I'm here to extend your team. I'm here to show you a tool or a strategy or you get stumped on something. I'm here to fix it. If you, you know, if, you know, whatever happens, right? Whatever happens, you know that you, the answers are literally 10 seconds away, right? But what's happening right now is, is there's almost this tone of like, well, you should do it. And that does not work. It will not work. You, you have to be an ambassador to your project. You know, you have to be out there and be excited to talk about it. Because if you're not excited about your own product, why would anybody else be excited? And I think that's the fundamental thing that I'm standing back here. And and again, something that came out of this conversation with Chris that's you know just been so I wouldn't say weighing on my head because that sounds negative, but it's just been boom front and center of my brain. And and I'm re, I'm re-inspired by it. And and I'm, i feel happy about this sort of you know, being able to see this and and, and and to be able to explain it in the right way. And you know, I I, I just love it. I'm I'm really into it and I'm you know, I'm gonna focus on more positivity, you know, more positive stuff. I don't need we don't need to go negative of everything. Everybody's going through something every day about some stupid thing, right? You know? So what? So what that my kids school is nut free, right? so what? My son's got to eat crappy fake peanut butter. So what? Right? (laughs) I don't know about that one. Again, I don't think any of you have tasted this peanut butter. This peanut butter is disgusting. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to go listen to episode, whatever it is, 28, still emotion. Go listen to that one. If you don't know what I'm talking about, nasty peanut butter. So like I said, coming up in this conversation, a lot of really good stuff. A lot of really good stuff coming up. So, still need everybody out there to help me out with a couple things. I'm sorry that I'm pimping myself, and I'm you know begging you to do some stuff. Please, if you're digging what I'm in, what I'm talking about, you're digging this ep- these podcasts. Share it with a friend. Share it with somebody who's doing business. Share it with uh, you know anybody really. Tell them that you're gonna love this podcast. You're gonna be into me, right? download some episodes from iTunes hit subscribe that's gonna get me in the new and noteworthy section and I've only got a few more weeks to go before that ship he- will sail so we're trying to boost and get up in that new and noteworthy section so that more and more people can hear this can uh, hear this podcast and and uh, you know we can get more campaigns successfully funded boom how about that drop second thing got a lot of really good conversations going on in our slack channel and you're probably going what the heck is a slack channel well let me explain it to you so it's a crowdfunding community. So I've got a bunch of people that have signed up. All you got to do is put your email in. We don't spam you or anything like that. You just go into this community and we have in-depth conversations. We break down more. And I'm going to have a bunch of stuff that I'm going to pull from our, my interview with Chris. Um, you know, Just about you know productivity and, and attentiveness and just how to run a campaign like this. So we're going to break down more. So again, if you want to go deeper into this conversation sign up through there and oh how do you sign up that's a great question jeff thanks for asking me that question how you sign up is go to the website woodshed.agency that's all you got to type in the browser up in the top right corner it says join our community you click on that you put your email in boom you're in and you're having conversations uh my whole team's in there as well so so last thing before we get in the interview i'm going to invest i think i've said this before i've said this to some of my friends it's time for me to invest in vinyl and a stereo system and to start putting music back in my life. Now, some of you know, I have unplugged. I've taken a lot of music out of my life. I am not into it. I, Or I'm sorry, I was not into it. It burned me. It almost made me lose my family. That's a whole story for another intro that I could get into. But remember, we're going positive. And I'll tell you, I did get inspired. I heard four or five songs on, on a Spotify playlist that um, that I pulled they really got me riled up and felt good. And I haven't heard music like that. that You know, that music that gets in your bones, you know, that makes you just shimmy and shake no matter what you do. So, I don't know. I haven't talked it over to the wife yet. So, this next episode, I could be on here going, my wife said I'm not allowed to do any of that stuff. That's a possibility. I'm not going to lie. That's a total possibility. But in my mind, I have mentally made the decision that my kids are going to grow up with a huge vinyl collection and, we're going to explore music daily. Um, we're not just going to dive into the Disney tracks. We're going to really open it up and talk about you know you know good shit, good tracks, and um, yeah, mentally I've made that commitment. So here's what's here's what's going on in my brain. I'm back researching. What's the speaker system? I got to go with a nice tube amp, right? Huh? Got to get a nice tube amp, or at least an old seventies Marantz, like nice big old, you know, solid block, big power supply system, right? You know, I don't want this portable Bluetooth thing. I want to go the real deal. I want a nice vinyl, you know, or a nice record player, nice tube amp, couple of smaller but good sounding speakers, and then I want to just start getting some 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 cool vinyl. So, if any of you out there have any suggestions, and you want to shoot me an email, jeff at woodshed.agency, shoot me suggestions of Good record players, good tube amps, good speakers, and maybe a top 10 list. I might, be, I might be greedy right now, but if you got a list of 10 records that you think I need to listen to, send them my way. So speaking of music, all right, I, I said I only had one thing, but I actually had two things. Go on Spotify and search the Woodshed Agency Office playlist. I, yeah, Woodshed, we've got a great playlist that we listen to when we actually get together, my boys and I really, really fun, good tracks in there that if you're in an office building, you should pump this through your office. Uh, through your office. You're, you're going to dig it. So, okay, okay. I've talked too much now. I, yeah, I'm just rambling here. So I'm going to get a record player. I swear to God, I'm going to do it. Yep, I'm going to do it. Anybody have any advice on how I slip this one past the wife at all? Or should I get her to advise on this? Or should I just should she just come home from work one day and I'm like, hey, baby, I got this great sound system. I, no, it didn't cost very much. Which, I wonder what, uh, I'll probably have to advise around it. I've already done enough, you know, uh, crazy stuff in terms of having recording studios. I've already bought enough gear without telling anybody, so. Okay, alright, I've made up my mind. That's what we're going to do. So, enough of that. Let's kick into my conversation with Chris Birch. Siege of the Citadel, second edition. Awesome board game. It's a it's a reboot of, an old, of the old board game, Siege of the Citadel, and... We deep dive into board games, how to put them together, the mindset behind them, and then we dive into knocking the just knocking a grand slam on a Kickstarter campaign. So let's go. Let's kick into my conversation. Here we go. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Chris. How are you? I'm very good. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm glad we got our time squared away, considering I didn't yeah, know. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that there's a... So, so it, walk me through this again. Is there a summer British time?
1: Yeah, that's right. It's called British summer time. So, it's normally, we're on Greenwich Mean Time, and then in the summer, our clocks go forward now Okay. for the summer, so that we're getting up with the sunshine, not... Um, and it's lighter days.
0: So you're nice and tan, you're looking good because you're in the sun all day, is what's happening?
1: Well, yeah, I'd like to think. It's actually been pretty hot. We've had, like, some 30-degree days here in a row, so uh, it's been a hot, steamy, yeah. There might be a few noises in the background because we've got an office here. (laughs) Okay. Which is getting ready for a a community event tonight. Yeah,
0: that's what you were saying. That's awesome. So is the the event tonight around the, um, the Kickstarter and the game, or is it something else?
1: Uh, it's a general Midifius community event, so we play we're playtesting Star Trek, the role playing game tonight. We're playing Siege of the Citadel, which is the Kickstarter at the moment, mm-hmm. and they will be playing some other games depending on who turns up. So
0: awesome, awesome! And well, let's, just, let's let's jump under yeah. the Siege of the Citadel. Like, let's talk about this project oh. right now that is clearly kicking some butt on Kickstarter right now. Uh, I think that's safe to say, right?
1: Sure. Yeah, going all right. <laughs> yeah, not yeah. bad. Not bad. Not bad.
0: <laughs> not bad. Uh, so... In
1: our usual English understatement.
0: <laughs> right. So, for my listeners, you guys had about a sixty thousand dollars goal. It looks like in your, you know, two hundred seventeen thousand dollars on that goal with eleven days to yeah. go. So, pretty good yeah. numbers. Pretty good numbers there. So, yeah. why don't you tell me, me and, and my listeners, a little bit about what the actual game is and and um and what the campaign is about.
1: Okay. So, siege of the citadel was this awesome box of plastic uh, monsters and heroes that uh, was one of the first big boxes of cool plastic stuff back in the 90s. It was based on a world called Mutant Chronicles that became comic books. It was a role-playing game. It was a war game called Warzone. There was a Nintendo video game called Doom Trooper. There was the Doom Trooper card game translated into 15 languages. There was the Mutant Chronicles. Chronicles movie with Ron Perlman um, a few years back, so it was this vast entity. Uh, there was two other big board games: Blood Berets, Fury of the Clansmen. So they they rocked it, and had some graphic novels with acclaim claim and all kinds of stuff. And um, Siege of the Citadel came out from Pressman Toys in the US and various companies in Europe. Target Games, who who were kind of the the Godfathers of gaming in, in Europe at the time, mm. and it had all this plastic stuff in it, loads of plastic figures. It had these character boards, big plastic character boards that tracked your health points and skills. And it had, you know, custom dice. You know, one of the first games was like you know, unusual dice, not just six-sided dice. It had um, this big plastic stairwell that really served no purpose but just looked amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, it gave you this raised battleground to play on. And and then it had these gigantic cardboard citadel walls through which which kind of marked the entrance points of the dark legion creatures and um i mean kind of impractical but just looked brilliant so it was it was just like a board game dialed up to 11 it was super fun and the mutant chronicles universe is is a bit tongue-in-cheek and it's over the top it's got gigantic guns and even bigger shoulder pads (laughs) So, um, always brings a smile to people's faces. When we were playtesting, we had about three hundred people sign up, of which two hundred still had copies of the game, and some of them had multiple copies of the game because they loved it so much. And you know, for spares, and sometimes people wanted to play, you know, end back-to-back games with several copies. So, anyway, uh, cut a long story short. Cabinet Entertainment, who owned Newton Chronicles, came to us and said. Hey, uh, because we were doing the Meeting Chronicles role-playing game. We rebooted um, a couple of years ago. Big success on Kickstarter as well. And they said, hey, we like what you're doing. Do you fancy partnering with us to reboot *Siege of the Citadel? So um, the the no-brainer answer was, yeah, of course. And, um, you know, where do we start? So we got Richard Borg back involved, who was the original uh, designer, who was part of Pressman Toys. And he's since gone on to do epic board games like memoir 44 command and colors battle cry. Um, so lots of big, big name games and, Oh uh, yeah. Battle law as well. And, um, he uh, he was super keen to get involved again. And then when we announced the news, we had other big-name designers, Eric Lang and Kevin Wilson, kind of battered down the doors because they were childhood fans of the game. And then now they're like super designers. So they were like, we really have to work on this. And then Jay Little turned up who designed X-Wing, the miniatures game, and the Star Wars role-playing game. And he was like, I'm going to kill someone if I don't get to work on this game. <laughs> so we suddenly had this A-list design team involved who loved the game, and there was so much love for this um, board game that uh, we knew we were onto a winner and, and, you know, had all this talent involved. And we had Henning the Vixen drawing the tiles. He, he did the maps for games like Imperial Soul and Descent and Mansions of Madness. And we had Stefan Kapinski doing the cover art, who's well-known for a lot of music, uh, a lot of, um, uh Warhammer artwork as well. So it's really, really, really great team uh, we brought together. And uh and that's got us to this point. So
0: that's awesome. So when when you were kind of sitting back and thinking about you know just just the overall idea of rebooting this you know where does the strategy kind of come in to target you know the fans of the 90s? You know, they're obviously they've gotten older, their lives have changed Um, Or are you finding that this is a whole new crop of people that are getting behind this, uh, behind the the second Uh, edition?
1: uh, It's a mix, there's a lot of people who, because there's a a big suede, if you follow Kickstarter, you know there's loads and loads of big games that are packed full of miniatures, loads of great value, and it's almost like it's the miniature game of the month. You know, what's out this month? And I think there's a lot of people out there that they just like collecting stuff like that. You know, there's like people who love collecting all the graphic novels. There are people that like collecting all the miniature games. And some are brilliant and some aren't. And they're all fun. Though. They're all a different adventure. And you get excited about the journey. And so, yes, we've had a lot of people who've discovered um, Siege of the Sisseda. Like, what's this? What's the storyline? And all the fans have been filling them in, and then we've got a lot of super, super passionate people who know everything about the world and everything about the universe, and played the original game a million times and remember it really well. And the uh, game, what are you changing here? What are you changing there? And and stuff. So. Uh, lots of <laughs> lots of uh, attention to detail with the with what we're doing. I,
0: that's and, kind of um, intriguing to me. Just imagining that, it let, you know, somebody who played this, you know, a thousand times back in the '90s, and it might be, you know, this major childhood memory for them, or whatever it might be. Yeah. How, how much do you have to be um, cautious of that in terms of if you, if you wanted to make your changes in the second edition? Like, is that a big part of the uh, of the the mindset for the team?
1: Well, it, the thing is, game's pretty good. As it is, I yeah. mean, it's ob- it's obviously dated, but it's it was actually really, really advanced for its time, and so what we've all we've been doing is we, we've been doing some balancing and adding in some new rules that bring it up to date. So, for example, uh, my head of development is going to look at me and go, "Don't sell." To <laughs> <laughs> so I have this habit of going, "Yeah, I'm going to do this and this and this," and. Um, it's um we've added in a a, a new action for example which lets you interact with the terrain so we we've got a a sort of tech character um who is a third character so in the base game you had two figures each two heroes and now you've got a third figure to choose from Mm. and they have the ability to interact with the scenery they can hack into machinery they can um uh, diffuse traps they can take over gun turrets and things. It's really fun. So um, we've introduced the rules for that. And it's, a sim- it's exactly the same as making an attack in the game. If you know the game, mm. it doesn't change or add any new rules. And so what we've tried to do is, is extrapolate the existing rules, uh, introduce some new elements, take the existing components, do new cool stuff with it. So we're not adding like, here's another five card decks. Here's another 50 pages of rules. It's, the beauty of siege of the citadel it's a bit like zombie side if you know that game is i love that game because it's been a hard day in the office we'll you know we turn up at the gaming night we just want to kill some monsters and it's a brilliant fun game for that you can have like dozens of players and siege of the citadel is kind of like the sci-fi game like that it's really fun you get to do lots of cool stuff it yeah, doesn't have really complex rules. You get playing really quickly. And some of the unique things about City of the Citadel, um, again, which was a groundbreaking thing back then, is that your characters progress between each mission and within the mission. Mm. You also take turns playing the bad guys. So you have this, uh, a bit like playing Imperial Assault, someone gets to play the Empire. But in this, you get to take turns doing it. And the better you do as the Dark Legion creatures, the more points you get for your own hero team for next time you play. So you've got a real incentive to be um, uh, really bad to your friends and trying to screw them over and and hurt them and try and stop them winning the mission because it's gonna help you next time around. Everyone has secondary missions which have sometimes competing goals that might interfere with the main mission goal, and can be used as um, kind of little screw you uh, events as well. So there, it's, it's, it's also a, a kind of co-op in a sense, and we're also introducing solo rules and co-op rules, so you can play without the Dark Legion player because a lot of people like that. There's a you know there's a big sway of games now that are about co-op, you know, cooperating on. Uh, on games mm. and so you can do that too but the, the real fun that we always try and push people to do is like try the rotating dark legion player because it, it's just great fun and there's actually uh other cool ideas that we're intru- we're introducing that make him even more fun than people might remember so he gets to place cool defenses he gets to have a lot more choice about um how he defends the base and um and other fun stuff as well which we're, we're going to be talking more about soon so
0: when, when you were approached, uh, what was the company's name that approached you to, to, to reboot this?
1: Uh, it's Cabinet Entertainment. So they, they're kind of the owners of um, Music Chronicles and Solomon Kane and Conan. And uh, they're the producers of the Conan movie as well. And um, so they've got a lot of really cool properties. Uh, Mutant Year Zero, that's a big uh, role-playing game line at the moment. Uh, Cult. Uh, so quite, quite a lot. Yeah. And, and we've known them for a while because we've been working together on on Newton Chronicles, uh, and then recent, more recently, on Conan. So,
0: so, so when they approached you, like, how much, you know, did they have access to all the old, you know, designs and layouts? Where you just had to, you know, go back to the old printers if you could find them. You know, I guess, <laughs> like, no,
1: because we're yeah, we're redoing I, all the artwork. All yeah. I you mean all we've got. got We've got access to a lot of it. There's a guy called Paul Bonner who's like a legend of the sort of '90s art scene, and and his artwork doesn't date. It looks amazing because he's got this sort of diesel punk style look, mm-hmm. which is a kind of mm, kind of '50s sci-fi with giant shoulder pads and oversized guns. Um, so it's his look. Retain. They had a lot of that artwork still left over. We've commissioned new artwork. We've got new artwork for the covers. It's a new logo, new tire, new board a new board for the game, new figurines. So everything's new in the game, uh, but it's a sort of familiar look to it. You know, it's just sort of updated. So, And now there's 45 figures in the base game, uh, sort of more than the original game. So we boosted, boosted it, qu- I think, quite a lot by at least, um, I think, seven figures more than the original, maybe more. You know, so um,
0: so when you're, when you're sitting with, you know, just what you just said there, what, 45 figures, you know what's the process of of like you know shaping them, getting them laid like pr- I don't know, molded, shaped like the the prototype so of them.
1: You um you often start with a piece of concept art uh-huh. that is you know what do they look like? Also sort of color artwork, and it might not be a very finished piece of art, or it might it might be a previous piece of con- of um, full color art we've got and then we do some kind of ideas for briefs for like okay well they they need to be holding this gun this is what this gun looks like they need to be holding this piece of gear needs to be on their belts and this is the armor that it should look like and that goes off to the sculptor and then they sculpt a 3d sculpt of the figure and then you go well actually no the you know the body is a bit too big here Um, the gun should be bigger the shoulder pads don't aren't quite the right shape so you kind of get that right and then they give you the sort of final figure that you've signed off and then we get a 3d print done and i've just had a few in today which is uh okay are they right are they the right scale Mm -hmm. um do they look right um and um then if those are right then it goes to the factory which in this case is going to be in china and um they check over the because sometimes you get little gaps in the 3d print that um that won't actually mold in pvc plastic it, you know the plastic will get stuck in the mold so sometimes you need to adjust things fill in little holes you know change the curvature of something so there's a lot of technical work that goes into getting those figurines made and and every single figure is a piece of, of art right. you know it's a highly detailed uh, beautiful piece of art. And I love seeing them come through because yeah, you're like, so. wow, it's really cool. <laughs> and then, you know, actually seeing them in, in real life is awesome as well because it's just all coming to life in front of you. But it's, yeah, it can be a painful process. Sometimes people don't understand the pose you want um, or they can't interpret what you're talking about. And that, right. you know, it can take time sometimes. And the better designers just get it, you know, they get it first time. And you're like, and they blow you away. You're like, right. oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, my life is complete. <laughs> so, so, we, so we, we, how
0: how do you maybe tell somebody who's starting out in the board gaming world, like how do they get started with that process? Right. So, I mean, that's so okay. many steps you just kind of walk through, which you've done this before, right? And you know, you you have access to some, you know, you've done this, right? So, like that. First yeah, we first did it once. One, you, yeah, <laughs> we you did know. it once before, <laughs> right? So, you know, so all right, so yeah, you're yeah. probably still learning some new tricks here. Yeah, right? yeah. But, but yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But like, how? You know, that's the thing that just blows me away. It's almost as if you're like creating almost like a, a movie, like Labyrinth or something from back in the day, right? Like, like you have to create yeah. all of these, just the pose and the type of gun. So there's a, you know? there's a
1: lot of people. Yeah, I mean, you there's a lot of people involved in the team: design, graphics, art, uh, writing, story, scenarios, playtesting. So yeah, it's a, it, it's not as big as a movie, but there's a lot of production design that goes into preparing. For this, there's a lot of, you know, there's a, we've got a designer working pretty much nonstop generating graphics for the Kickstarter, and that's just for the Kickstarter, let alone the actual board game. Mm-hmm. And some of those graphics will then go on to theme parts of the board game, of course, which helps as well. But, um, you know, the Kickstarter itself requires a huge amount of work, people working on it, doing costings and promotion and PR and yeah. uh, and things like that. So, it is. It's a huge process. I mean, we've we've gone through creating war, war game lines. We had experience on the miniatures. We've you know we've done another board game before, Thunderbirds, the cooperative game by Matt Leacock based on the old TV show, and and so and, and obviously lots of production work on our role playing games that we've done uh, for Kickstarters for as well now. So production wise, we're used to just this sort of bulk of stuff that needs to get done. And everything comes down to a job. You know, this right. needs to get done. This person needs to be emailed. This brief needs to be written. So a lot of it is just organizing people and time and, and making sure you've got talented people who can just get on with that part of the work and you don't have to kind of sit on them all the time. Right. And um, it's one of the secrets of building a good business is having a lot of really great, talented people.
0: Sure. So. Yeah, that, that is always a challenge, I think, for almost any startup, is just getting those mm-hmm. people who truly believe you know, somebody there that's not just collecting a paycheck, that they're trying, you know, they're, they're, they're yeah. working above and beyond, you know. And it, it
1: helps. Things. Like when we first started, it was just me and Rita, my wife, that started in the, we were I had a t-shirt company that I'd been doing. I was a fashion designer for uh, 13 years and um, started doing – Medifius as a fun side project to create some cool little games at my hobby and I thought well Maybe it could grow to the point where I could take a day off a week and work on it And then of course Kickstarter came along and I had written a, a game before and then um, I thought well, okay Let's let's start this idea up on Kickstarter and it blew us away. You know, we um, We were aiming for 8,000 pounds and we took 177,000 pounds in a and and i was like wow i'm i'm not going to be able to get this done (laughs) doing a day a week so i've got to go full time and it it was a good timing i wanted to get out of t-shirts i was i literally had been there and bought the t-shirt and um and so i was like you know what this is it let's let's just go for it and so we we went full time together and she did all the customer service and replied to backers and sorted out orders and i managed all the writers and artists and stuff and we just worked out of our little basement flat and then um that went that was for like two years and then we moved to a house around the corner a two-bedroom house and used the second bedroom as the office which became four people <laughs> and then people and then the uh, half the living room was like storage for conventions and samples and packaging and it just got to the point we were like wow you know we're just gonna get divorced if we if we keep going like this <laughs> So we got an office last year, and now we're um, sort of uh, seven or eight people in an office in Fulham Broadway in in London. So it's it's been incredible how it's grown, and it's helped obviously having all the kickstarters because you've got money in the bank, yeah, um, and you don't have to get investors, you don't have to go to the bank for a loan, and so obviously having uh, I just I tell everyone now, you know, if you can do a Kickstarter, do it because it just gives you this financial freedom to plan ahead. And I've I've done enough businesses where you've just, you know, done the endless business plans for investors who yeah. just want to make you run around in circles to make them feel good and um, you know, want the whole world for a very small amount of money. And then you'll beholden to them for the rest of your life. And I just think Kickstarter is a fantastic way to free people and um, give their vision legs and um if you've got a creative project it's just the best 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 tool and so i just keep telling everyone i meet at the moment look just get on kickstarter just try it you know get a little community going build up your fan base and just go for it because you just never know and if you've got a if you're passionate and you work on you know and literally um the first few projects i did you know it's you know i was actually i was in the office till 1 a.m. last night doing updates and it's you know and then you're working I'm at a friend's birthday party and I'm on my phone checking uh messages because it's like having a shop and yep. sitting there eating your sandwich and going hey can you come back later
0: right yep
1: <laughs> and people are like sitting there going well how much is the jacket well uh well I'll tell you to come back in an hour It's like well they're not going to come back are they yep. so you've really got to be there I mean, obviously, you you've got to sleep at some point, but um, you really do have to be around all the time and available. And that's how we've, we've built a really good reputation for always being around and helping people and getting back to people quickly. And, and it, also, we've got a great fan base who get involved and help out with comments as well.
0: Yeah, I was, um, was going to say. I, I mean, with that many amount of backers, I can't imagine what the inboxes look like. You know,
1: every it way. is, yeah, you it know. is. Uh, I mean, we, you know, we've now got a guy's full time customer service who deals with all the sort of general inquiries, but I, I deal with all the personal right. uh, Kickstarter inquiries, and and yeah, it gets a lot sometimes, and you just have to go through, and sometimes you're cutting and pasting the same answer because it might be the same question, and, right. and and a lot of it is just can I do this? Can't I do this? And some people don't read the page because the answers are there, but inevitably Kickstarter pages get very complex because you know, you're, you've know you got this one space to put in what we're doing and why we're doing it and who we are and what's the story and what you get and what are the add-ons and what do you get in this pledge? And it just becomes bigger and bigger and bigger every day. Yeah. And by the end, you have to go, right, what can we cut out because people don't need to know it anymore mm-hmm. You know, and uh, uh, simplify it down and down and down.
0: Well, you you know, know, it's intriguing about your Kickstarter pages. I thought you had a healthy amount of ways for people to basically be a part of it, whether through, I don't know, you didn't really call them stretch goals so much, but different ways for people to, like, you know, pledge and get more things it looks like. or I mean, I guess they are stretch goals in my mind. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: I mean, we we usually have, when we're doing role playing Kickstarters, we try and use the same names so that the fans get, uh, they get to know what they get for it. And with the, this one, um, we went for two pretty simple pledges. One, which was basically the board game cheaper than it will be in retail, plus a bunch of extras, mm-hmm. uh, which we unlocked more for. So now, 69 bucks gets them about $98 worth of stuff, and they'll get more. We've unlocked some bonus figures and things. And then we had this $149 pledge that wasn't worth the money at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of people who were like, oh, why do you, why are you doing that? Why, you know, why don't you put loads of extra stuff in it? And lots of other big companies throw in a massive pile of stuff and they're big enough to go, well, if it doesn't work, we can still pay for it and put it out. And so we were like, well, look, guys, you know, this stuff has to be paid for.
0: Yeah.
1: Don't go to the 149 pledge, just go for 69 because that's a really good deal. Um, but if you believe in us, and if you have faith, and we're going to give you amazing value, then go for 149 because we're going to make it worth about 400 to $500. And that's what our reputation is like. Mm-hmm. So all our Kickstarters, everyone has ended up with amazing values. So like uh, the Conan role-playing Kickstarter we just did a few months ago, there was a pledge of £40, pounds, so about $60 at the time before Brexit, mm-hmm. um, that wasn't worth the money because it got you all the unlocked pdfs but at the beginning there were no unlocked pdfs okay sure so we unlocked the first book but you could get that in pdf for probably 20 bucks so why would you go for that because it's going to be worth the money in the long run and in the end people who went for that pledge got 20 books about two to three hundred pounds well let's say about three hundred dollars worth of books and they got another 30 old conan role-playing books that you can't get anymore Mm. so they've gotten an enormous amount of value and so we said look this is the same way as we run all our kickstarters this pledge isn't worth it yet but it will be and so if you believe in it put your money behind it and that will help us make it worth more and um, that pledge is now worth 255 dollars instead of 149 because we've unlocked Loads of extra expansions, right. and we've also done this unusual thing of saying because normally you have stretch goals, right? Stretch goals are like, okay, if we get to fifty thousand dollars, we're going to unlock this, and if we get to sixty thousand, we're going to unlock that. So what we do with the big pledge is, okay, so you're getting all this stuff, but you're also getting every single stretch goal that you can see, whether it's been unlocked or not. Hmm. So they already know they're getting stuff. We're guaranteeing that they're getting all this cool stuff, even if it doesn't get unlocked in the Kickstarter. The reality is we know we probably will get there. But we're, So what our risk is and our faith in our backers is we're going to give you this stuff because we think we're going to get there. And it's, we're not giving you a stupid amount of stuff that maybe we can't afford to, to deliver. Because right. one thing we do, we are careful about is whatever we promise we're going to give you. It might take longer than we think. There's always delays, mm-hmm. but we always deliver, and we always deliver more than you expected, and that's our kind of big promise to people. And so, and that's that's we've been proven right that it's the pledge is worth more money. It's key; it keeps going up, and um, you know we're gradually giving people more stuff, which is always the best way.
0: Yeah, I, I love the optional buy, um, which I, I I don't think I've seen that before on a Kickstarter campaign, where you have this sort of. I mean, you got to. Almost like a game bag, you know. You've got, um, you know, yeah, like we, a book. you have got all these extra cool things going on. That yeah,
1: we added in all the all the mutant chronicles role playing stuff. So oh. at a better price than you can get it on a web store. So as another thanks to backers, they've got if they want more information on the world, or if they're role players as well, they can buy all of the role playing kickstarter stuff at a great price yeah so and save some money and again that helps support the kickstarter so again it, and you know there's already uh, there's a a hundred dollar bundle that is something like 17 pdfs that's worth mm-hmm. about 200 dollars uh, when we sell it normally so there's really really amazing uh, deals then
0: That's awesome. So let's take just a couple minutes before I let you go on just like the overall, your strategy when you are approaching Kickstarter, you know, um, are you doing a bunch of Facebook ads? Are you doing advertising on on, uh, board game websites? What's kind of the overall strategy that you guys in uh, in your mind have outside of making a great product and and doing the stretch goals and all that stuff?
1: Well, we do, I always do lots of research. I'm a big believer in listening to the fan base and finding out what they're really looking for. But also giving them some really cool stuff and surprises and showing them what you can create for them that's going to be amazing. So we do a lot of surveys. And we find out. we kind of give them a list of all the stretch goals we're thinking of, the add-ons. And we go, tell us which of these are your favorites. And and then we say, if there was these couple of pledges, which one would you pick? So we already know that there's like, I don't know, you know, for the season, this is that we had about. Um, a thousand people answer the survey of which about 700 said, yes, I'm going to back this and I'm going to pick this pledge if it's the right price. So we had, we already knew there was a, a lot of interest there, a lot of uh, passion. We have a bigger database and we've got like 30,000 people on our overall Modifius database. So we had a lot of people that we could promote to. Mm-hmm. When I first started, I had about a thousand people who were buyers of a pdf role-playing book we put out actually two small ones that we uh, we did and we did it as a little profit share between various writers and artists and um that's how i got our first audience and then i did some press now i happen to have run a pr agency before so it helps a lot that
0: does help but
1: there's some really simple techniques for getting a press list and that is you find another kickstarter that's like you so let's say you were doing another game like us, right? So you'd go and find all the websites that the Siege of the Citadel board game has been talked about on, and you go and find their contact details, and you put it in an Excel sheet with, their, with the website address, and then you do it again for another game. And then you do it again for another game, and again for another game, and then again and, again, and again, and again, and again, and again. And when it's two o'clock in the morning, and you think, surely I've done enough, you haven't. You keep going until it's five in the morning, and you get up the next morning, and you start again. And eventually you've got about 500 contacts who have all written about these kinds of Kickstarters. And then you have your press list. And now you need to learn how to talk to them. And what I did when I first started, and we still try to for all the big projects, is we email people personally. And you're going to think, wait a minute, that's going to take ages. Yeah, that's right. It takes ages. Uh, But people respond to personal emails. When When you're emailing, Hey, Dave, how's the podcast going? You know, Mm. um, I saw your article on Star Wars. It was amazing. Well, guess what? I'm doing this new sci-fi project, blah, blah, blah. Now, I wish I could do that all the time. We don't always get to do it. But if you're starting off, it is the single best way to get attention. Tell them your personal story. You can cut and paste that personal story, but try to write something about their site, about them to show that you... Actually, have checked out their site. Make sure they even write about your games. If you've done your, your your research, then they should have done. And make sure you're telling them something amazing, not like "Oh, I just unlocked another card." <laughs> <laughs> tell them. Don't waste their time. Tell them like the fact you've launched and you're already at twenty thousand. Have unlocked your first goal, or tell them that um, we've just created this amazing new thing that gives backers another fifty dollars of value and it's a really cool look at this cute, cute cute new piece of artwork you need to give them something exciting and interesting and you'll find that most like most people in press are fans of whatever it is if you're talking about the new a new backpack or uh, a new board game or a new role-playing game or a new dice or whatever it is the people that you're talking to are generally fans of it because that's why they're writing about it because most journalists don't get paid a lot of money. Right. And um, as I'm sure you know, so it's, it's most people are in this industry because of the passion. And so if you um, just tell them why you're passionate, why you love your thing, and then maybe that'll be infectious and they'll want to write about you as well. So getting that press is not that hard. It just takes a lot of time and most people don't want to do it. So it's it's work and you've just got to, Get sit on your computer and keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going. There's actually Winston Churchill was at a school, and a kid asked him, How how do you be successful? and he said, Never, ever, 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 that's it you just keep going and uh, yeah. and the thing is a lot of people oh yeah but I've got a party tonight I said oh oh but I was gonna go see the new Marvel film oh you know it's like well well yeah fine go see the new marvel film but you won't have a big successful project if right. you really want to make it big you've got to put the time in
0: yeah it's, so. it's, it's funny you mentioned that that's one of my things that when I you know because we do consulting for Kickstarters I've done a ton of these there really is a Type of person, that, you know. Yes, you have. They have a good idea. That's kind of, you know, they have a good idea. But the person behind it has a drive that's just, you know,
1: yeah. They can't. Don't ever, yeah. Don't ever get someone else doing your, you know, messaging, right? Um, press because it's you. It's the, right. The, the whole <laughs> point about Kickstarter is it's you. It's why we've got a big company, but it's still me doing it because I still feel it's the personal. People come because it's us, it's me and Rita, it's like, and obviously we've got a bigger team now and there's bigger designers, but they know that I reply to people and and I get a kick out of replying to people, I do a load of work, I work till one in the morning, I get up, we just made a load more on the Kickstarter, that's a great buzz when you come and you wake up in the morning like, wow, that actually paid off. I mean, how many of us get to see the value of the hours you put into your work? So actually... Running a Kickstarter is a daunting challenge. It's a huge amount of work and no sleep and no social life for a month. But it's really rewarding as well. And All these passionate people that come and give you their money and go, I believe in you. Here's a bunch of cash because I think you can give me this amazing game.
0: Yeah, that, that relationship, I, I again, I try to explain it I, just like you just did right there. So if my listeners are out there hearing me. This is what I keep saying. It, that relationship is so important with your backers. Like it's, yeah. you know, they're paying you before the game's made. You know.
1: Like, yeah, yeah. It's it well, stress, I, used, you know? I used to work in clubs, right? And I'd just be on the door doing the guest list, and um, uh, every, every single person that walks in the door, and and I, you know, you try and make sure that the bouncers on the door treat people really nicely. And um, you just want to make sure everyone who walks in the door is paying your wages. Yeah. Every customer that comes to your Kickstarter is paying your wages, is paying for your rent, is paying so that you can make this amazing game. Every person is priceless in building your little passionate community, and and that's why we've worked so hard. We've got a lot of people that back our multiple projects mm-hmm. with us now. So. It's like don't let them don't let them go away feeling like they've been screwed over. Make sure they feel like you gave them everything. You bent over. You a lot of you see people. Oh, I'm. You, I know you'll probably not get around to answering this, but and they were, a lot of so many people are really surprised when they get an answer. So
0: yeah. So so you've got eleven days to go. Clearly, you're you know you've hit, hit a home run, right? So where is yeah. your strategy for the next you know ten days or so?
1: We've got some really big pieces of news coming up. One which um, is spectacular, I think. <laughs> and uh, we've got a lot of um, stretch goals. I tend to do smaller stretch goals. So people have a reason to come back every day. We've got something new to show them a new sculpt, a, a cool new thing for them to add on, or a new piece of artwork, or a bit of storyline. So there's always something fresh for them to discover. And uh, so I keep that going. And then we have bigger stories that give people, you know, you know, hopefully get us in, in front of a lot more people, and um, you know, trailing what else is coming up. So once we've unlocked this next this next um, expansion, there'll be news of the next bunch of cool things we're going to unlock, and that will get people even more excited. And, and of course, it's down to how much more we can show off of the game. You know, there's only you get to a point where. There's only so much finished, and um, right. you know you, it runs away with itself. So, and I, I come from the school of um, it'll be ready when it's ready, and we're not going to show off stuff that's unfinished. And um, you know, it's I'm not out to have the biggest Kickstarter and go, yeah, we're the biggest one. Right. I just want it to be good and people to be happy and to create a really solid pro- product. Obviously, more money lets you do more cool stuff, but um, it's not a race. So,
0: cool. Well, Chris, I can't tell you enough how much I appreciate you taking the time out of uh, out of your day to have this conversation, sure. no uh, teaching, Thanks te- a lot. Te- teaching me and my listeners about summer British time that I've never heard of. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, but I'm in Detroit, right? So why would I know about that? You know, uh, but cool. Well, uh, I appreciate it. Like I said, so much, and congratulations on an awesome Kickstarter. And uh, I know you're going to kick some more butt on the next ten days or so.
1: Great. Thanks very much. Thanks so much. Thanks again. Yeah. Bye. Bye.
2: She kissed me down to catch my breath But then the walls came crashing down seems to linger on, but in the eyes of a perfect stranger, gives me hope to carry on. I close my eyes and listen closely, to all the lives that she's won, leave the world you know behind it said, well that's exactly what I've done.